My friends, grace and peace to you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. No matter where I turn these days, I can't find any rest. The problems of the world are overwhelming and daunting. Problems with economics or the environment, from business to government, from religion to politics to science, and any mixture or matching that you can imagine, the news always seems bleak. There's always reports of constant corruption and instability and worry that abound all around us. For example, a small example, earlier this week, our family sat down for a quick on-the-go dinner. Between all of the commitments for school and sports and family and fun and just a moment of rest, and during this brief respite, an argument broke out over how using a straw is going to kill all the world's turtles. It's it's funny until they're actually arguing over this at a table. Now, I'm pretty sympathetic to environmental concerns. There's good work that can happen here, but I just had to throw up my arms in exhaustion and exasperation. Not only did I think I was doing something good and helpful for the family that night, which I thought would be just a bit of fun in an otherwise hectic night, which seemed to be most nights any longer. Now, in the time that it took to move from paying for it to the drink station to our booth there at McDonald's, a fight over straws and turtles broke out, and along with it, how the proper human responsibilities were being neglected in all worldly matters, and how my whole life was being called into question because I was holding a straw there in my hand. I turned to my kids and said with all authority, just eat your fries. (laughs) It was just too much to take, right? Maybe I'm just getting older Maybe I was tired and worn out that day. Maybe it was just a long week. But I have to admit that the voices of the world seem to weigh upon me more and more. And I don't think I'm alone in that. And I think we all just sometimes need a rest and a break. But it doesn't just happen. It would be this quiet and peaceable life that we hear about in 1 Timothy, though. After all, getting some rest and relief and a little bit of distance from the never-ending criticisms and arguments over how the world should be versus how it is would be a nice change of pace. But instead of retreating into ourselves and finding some kind of quiet retreat off away from the world, it is the very hope that we hold, that we share, that we have been given in Christ that calls us not to retreat, but calls us into the struggles of the world. First of all, it says to pray for kings and rulers, and I expect that's because they receive so much of the criticism for leading public lives and for making public decisions and for being open 
to all of our criticism for making decisions that we likely don't agree with all the time. But it's also because we enter into the messy, dirty, troubled world in order to bring the hope that we share into it, to the tired, to the worn out, to these despairing people that can find no sanctuary in their life, that are running here and there, always with the world nipping at the heels, who can find no place to rest and are constantly burdened by the trouble of the world. But just what are we to say to them? What is this hope that we carry? Is it a way of righteous action and sagely wisdom given to us from on high, from Jesus Christ, our great guru, that is unique to Christians? Is it some special technique of peace that we can just teach everyone so that they might step also on all the right pathways, avoiding all the landmines that the world sets out for us, so that we could show them just how the world should be. Is it somehow to find ourselves being able to use both straws and saving the turtles, and moving beyond the fights and struggles that we find ourselves in, that is, to rest in a righteousness that we can hold and show to the world of our own. It seems to be what we want. But this is then when we encounter Jesus' parable of the dishonest manager. And right away, even the title gives us the impression that something is wrong. He's called dishonest, after all. And so we expect that Jesus is going to be teaching us a lesson on how to right the wrongs. The dishonest manager has been caring for his manager's property, I mean his master's property and his business dealings. But now the master receives a report about his performance and it doesn't look good. At its heart, it's not just a report, it's an accusation. And that's where all his troubles begin, of course, because accusations are disturbing. It doesn't matter if they're true or false, they stick to you and they open up all sorts of doors. The very nature of the accusation causes a disruption of life. Investigation and distrust abounds as you have to give account for what you've done and who you are to make sure that you are worthy of your position. So the master sends word upon hearing this troubling accusation that the master must give an account of his actions. Show me all that you've been doing. Let me test your character. Let's see if it's any good, but I doubt it. You're stained now. You won't be my manager any longer. And so the manager's entire livelihood, his life's work, and even his future life are being threatened just by this accusation. And he has no way of proving himself worthy. He doesn't even get a chance to. So looking at his situation, he seems to have nowhere to turn. He's not strong enough to dig, and he has too much pride and is ashamed to beg. 
It's not likely that anyone else is going to hire him, being labeled dishonest and all. But he does find one pathway forward. So he goes to his master's debtors, and he begins trimming their debts just a bit. What is it that you owe? A hundred? Sit down quickly. We'll make it 50. How does that make you feel? Pretty good, huh? Down the line he goes, reducing their debts, canceling their obligations, removing their responsibilities, and in the process, gaining for himself a bit of peace for the future, at least for a few days. Now, ethically, I really don't think this is a very good idea. It seems very dishonest, does it not? It doesn't seem right to make your living by using your position to forgive the debts owed to another. I mean, what kind of character do these debtors even possess, right? To even accept such a scheme. It sounds to me like there are multiple people who should be investigated, who should be receiving this accusation. They should be brought out as frauds, and they should uh, probably, some of them at least, be finding some jail time. How are we going to reverse this injustice? And here we go again, being surrounded by the problems of this world which just continue to invade us and run amok. And just when we are ready to throw up our hands in exasperation, the most disturbing shift occurs. Jesus commends the dishonest manager, forcing us to hear this parable not simply as ethical instruction, but as a kingdom parable, as a way of Jesus working in the world. And so instead of listening for directions on how we are to conduct our business affairs, the parable really is about Jesus' business for the sake of the world. Not worldly business, but for the sake of the kingdom of God. It is really about reducing burdens and forgiving debts. And this, in the world's eyes, is always going to be seen as dishonest, an unfair way of dealing according to the world's expectations. But no matter that for Jesus, he jumps right into the messy, dirty, ugly, even unethical behavior and those never-ending accusations that greet us at every one of our choices. And he proceeds to do the unthinkable. He takes your debts and forgives them. Not just halfway or 20% or a little bit of skimming off the top here and there as a carrot to motivate you into better, doing better in the world. Jesus is not angling here to get you to make the world just a little easier to manage by lightening the load just a hair for those around you. Instead, Jesus forgives you all your sins, every debt you owe, eliminated completely. And that's when the accusations begin attacking him. You can't just forgive like that. That's blasphemy. 
Only God can forgive. Jesus must be some sort of a demon. Look what he's doing to the world. Where did you get your authority after all? Stop it. Cut it out or you'll turn the whole world upside down. And yet, here we are in the world with his promise that no mistakes of ours, no dishonest dealings, and no accusations of unethical behavior will be able to hold back his business, his business of giving the promise of forgiveness and new life. Not even death will stop him from bringing that peace into the world. Because that is, of course, what it means to forgive. To forgive the unforgivable. And this is all possible, of course, because as it says in 1 Timothy, Jesus Christ is the one God, both God and human, the mediator and peace giver that the world needs in order to find rest from its troubles. And here he is, giving us, through himself, a gift, that quiet and peaceable life that comes from God. Amen.